You are about to hear a history-making sound. The sound of a radio signal, man-made, transmitted from outer space. Listen, listen, listen. Hello and welcome to the Prism Podcast, the podcast and blog where we analyze the spectrum of scientific, rational, and critical thought. This is episode four. We're recording on September 12th, 2013. I'm Jason Luchtefeld. And I'm Grant Ritchie. Please check out our website, www.prismpodcast.com, where we post our blog posts and our uh, podcast shows. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash prismpodcast and on Twitter at at, podcasts, at prismpodcast. We'd love to hear from you. I like the www. I'm from the South. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah, that's good. Dub, dub, dub. <laughs> All right. Today is exciting. We're going to talk about soda. The reason we're talking about soda is I just listened to the, I think, August... 31st episode of The Skeptic's Guide. And the esteemed uh, Dr. Steve Novella seems to think that the acid in soda is not a big deal for teeth. Hmm. I, my only conclusion I can draw is that he's obviously a shill for big soda. Oh, I mean, it was obvious from the minute that they are paying him who knows how much money to promote yeah. their product. It was product placement. Pure and simple. Yes. When he, he talked when, about RC ta- Cola a lot. He talked about RC Cola and at a pH, I think, what was it, 2.4? That's right. Which is very That's acidic, right. and he was completely dismissive. So so um, I think Novella has been busted. Yes. You heard it here first. We're joking a little, but we're also pretty serious in that the acid, now obviously we're biased. So let's get that out of the way first. Yes. We have biases because we're dentists, because we, we see this and uh, we are on uh, the anti-soda bandwagon, uh, obviously paid by the ADA and fluoride companies. Yes. Uh, we kind of struck a nerve and feel like we need to speak out and kind of set the record straight on some of the risks involved in these sodas and other things, and the risks of uh, acid in the mouth. So the criticism, let's start with this uh, study, the only study that he really pointed to, and it was that the researchers basically just put teeth in soda for 48 hours. And at the end of that 48 hours, they checked to see how much weight was lost from the teeth, right? Right, and the weight loss corresponds to enamel being eroded. That was their quantifying the amount of enamel uh, that has been lost. So, the most acidic soda, as we mentioned, was RC Cola at 2.4. Pretty much all the sodas are under 3. Or in the 3s. Yeah, there you go. Under 4 is maybe a safer way to say that. So, first off, anything below 5.5 will damaged teeth to some extent, will uh, erode it to some extent. The criticism was that the teeth were placed in 48 hours and how many people hold soda in their mouth for 48 hours. 
And while that might be a topic in the Guinness Book of World Records to be considered, I don't think it has, and I don't see that coming anytime soon. No. Instead, we need to look at, can we extrapolate that to real life? And right. And Steve's, and Steve's thesis was that... Because stomach acid is around 1.0 and even RC Cola 2.4, since the average person isn't holding pop in their mouth for 48 hours, then the little amount of contact of acid onto the teeth is essentially negligible. If we have a soda, I think you uh, you had the study yes. of, of uh, how that translates over time if you only have one soda per day. Right. You know, going back to your grade school science fair, I mean, all of us, you know, put one tooth in milk and one tooth in soda, and, and over time we saw it dissolve. It's a very graphic representation of how acid can demineralize teeth. And so one of the studies, and there are very in the literature, there are variations of this everywhere from 48 hours, like Jason was saying, to one, um, I think 13 days or 14 days. And yeah, teeth aren't continually bathed in acid in real life. But where this is extrapolated is that whether it's a week or two weeks, is if you assume that every swig that you take is in the mouth for about five seconds. Um, then it's swallowed and it takes another 10 to 15 seconds for the saliva to buffer and clear that. So each sip or swig of a soda is about a 20 second application of acid directly on the teeth. Multiply that times the number of times uh, you take a drink in the course of a day over time, uh, a one to two week one to two weeks of a tooth in acid is equivalent to anywhere from a few months to even a few years of a person drinking soda, which sounds like a long time, but, you know, in the life of a person, you know, we'll see someone at age 25 and they're fine and, and at age 30 they have cavities. So um, that's really not a long time as far as the uh, pathogenesis of this disease. Makes me want to go now to... Kind of supporting that acid is part of the cause of not only erosion but dental caries, uh, which is tooth decay. That's our fancy word for tooth decay. That's right. <laughs> so the the reason I'm going to go there is because dental caries, uh, cavities in teeth, are the number two disease in children, mm -hmm. and the number one disease of children between the ages of five and seventeen. So. It's actually a very important thing, a very detrimental thing that has been known about since at least 1944, probably before that, where at the time they didn't necessarily know it was soda acids because they were studying food. They were studying carbohydrates actually in foods and some of the lactic acids and other things that were being produced that were causing uh, severe and rampant caries in people that had diets of that nature and at the time, oral hygiene was different. Uh, products were different. Sodas Water were... Water wasn't fluoridated. Yep. It wasn't fluoride in toothpaste, mouth rinses, things like that. So enamel was a lot more susceptible to these acid attacks. 
and, and it was a time, it wasn't that long prior to that, that Coca-Cola was marketed as a uh, medicinal uh, product. <laughs> and uh, marketing changed all that. But anyway, so now that we've gotten that stuff out of the way, uh, we've had follow-up studies that maybe make things a little bit clearer for us about uh, some of the criticisms of this either 13-day or 48-hour or 24-hour bath of acid. So in 2012, a study was done, and I believe it was the same authors that had the 2007 study of 48 hours in the, in the acid bath. And they recognized the criticisms, and so they designed a study to actually bathe the tooth in acid for uh, different amounts of time and then put the tooth in saliva to then immediately buffer that, or a saliva substitute, I should say. So that they were trying to replicate the conditions of, of the human mouth where it would be right. exposed to an acid attack and then buffered and rinsed away with saliva, then re-exposed as happens in real life. So it's a much more That's realistic... Right. Um, type of study that mirrors real life. So that's right. So what they find? Well, I'm gonna before I tell you what they found, oh. I'm gonna let you know they didn't just look at soda. Okay. Uh, because it was 2012, they decided to add in energy drinks like Red Bull and mm. Monster and Rockstar and Five Hour Energy. Uh, they did Gatorade and obviously soda. They did some juice. Uh, they really, I think, covered the spectrum. And what they found was that the energy drinks were the worst. Yeah. Uh, they were the most acidic. Uh, I think one or two of them were actually below two. Wow. Um, or right at that two mark for their acidity level. They tested Red Bull sugar-free. So it wasn't just a combination of acid and sugar or acids from sugar breakdown. Um, it was just acidic drinks. And they found that even with the cycling of the teeth in the saliva substitute, that there was a loss of weight of the teeth. So a demineralization or erosion of the tooth structure. And I think you bring up a good point because um, I know I've seen it in my practice where, you know, most kids with the, with the education now, they, they know that drinking the Mountain Dew isn't a good thing. They know that pop is generally bad for you systemically, but also for the teeth, you know, that's been hammered into kids' head. But when you talk about sports drinks, Gatorade, the energy drinks, those are kind of promoted as, I don't want to say healthy alternatives, but they're, they're not just recreational drinks. They are they're promoted for a healthy purpose to help rehydrate you while you're exercising or help giving you that energy, that boost. So it's more associated with healthy activity. So I don't think that the, the the um, link in the average person's mind between a drink like that or even orange juice, which obviously, you know, is promoted as a healthy drink, that that link is not as obvious to tooth decay and tooth problems as is Coca-Cola, uh, Mountain Dew, RC Cola, and those other ones. So, um, you know, I think more education needs to be done in that area, but I'm glad these authors studied that to show the harm it's causing. Yeah. And uh, along those lines, piggyback on how kids are using it these days, oftentimes in sports, uh, when it's done that way, your risk actually will go up because you're doing it 
surrounding or during a physical activity where you're oftentimes lowering the salivary content of the mouth. Your Mm -hmm. mouth is drying out during that activity. You're breathing through the mouth heavily. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have the same buffering that you do when you're stationary or eating food. And so uh, it kind of highlights the fact that, and we'll get to this more later, that there are other risk factors involved besides just drinking one soda per day and, and whether or not that's a risk. So... Um, before we get to that, I wanted to touch on the severity of the juice as well, and the evidence being that Dr. Oz recommends, as part of a tooth whitening process, (laughs) uh, lemon juice. And the whole point there is that lemon juice is acidic, and you combine lemon juice with some sort of scrubbing motion, and you're going to get erosion, and initially... Probably some tooth lightening. Yeah. Um, before it's, you, yeah, just like you would if <laughs> yeah. you scrubbed it with Comet. I mean, yeah. you're you're exactly. just corrosive enough where it just takes off the outer layer where the uh, most of the stains yeah. are on external stained uh, teeth. You know, your coffee or cigarettes or or blueberry yeah. pie. Yeah, you'll. But yeah, that's one of many quackalicious things that uh, that. Dr. Oz has, yes. has, but he also said mix them with raisins. Right. He said oh, lemon yeah. juice and then rub raisins on it. So you follow up the demineralization with with um, lemon juice, citric acid, by a you know sweetened raisin. So you can then yes. put sugar right on your teeth to perfect. Further, yeah. And you know, lemon juice is a pH of two, which yeah. is the same as vinegar. Yes. So awesome. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Oz. That's right. Uh, we have these risks of the soda, so I think we've we've kind of beat that horse. Mm-hmm. That that uh, hopefully Steve uh, sees the light and uh, knows the risks. But we're going to elaborate even more. And uh, the fact that y- you do have people that that don't necessarily get cavities as easily, and and part of that is the buffering capacity, like we talked about, of the saliva. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the tooth structure itself mm-hmm. and how susceptible it may be. And we also have things that are protective that, that people have used for quite a while now, some more than others, uh, one being fluoride. So not only the fluoridated water, but also even topical fluoride in our toothpaste. Uh, one thing that is lacking oftentimes nowadays and I've only read a little bit about this in that a lot of these bottled or canned products don't necessarily have fluoride in them. Mm-hmm. And so people are substituting bottled water for regular water and all that. So they're not getting nearly the topical fluoride across the teeth that might have had a beneficial effect when people were drinking more tap water. Right. That's a big switch from tap water to bottled water. Uh, let's see. The other thing that can compound this, so one big obvious one that maybe is a little more rare is bulimia. Mm-hmm. So obviously stomach acid being brought across the teeth, it erodes the teeth significantly, and we can see the effects of that uh, on a horrific scale oftentimes. And uh, again, that's uh, acid. That's simply uh, acid across the teeth. Well, and, and if, you, if you do the math... You know, obviously there are different 
severities of bulimia, but a bulimic might throw up a few times a day. I can't imagine it would be as many times as a person would sip sodas. So you're talking about stronger acid, yes, but with less contact with the teeth than the average soda. So if it's obvious that that amount of acid can do the horrific damage that bulimia can, then that dispels some of the notion that acid for short periods of time on a teeth does nothing because that is a heavy evidence that acid on teeth for short periods of time over sustained over a period of, longer period of time will definitely do damage. Right. The next one that we see more and more of nowadays is GERD. Mm-hmm. And maybe we don't know why the instance of GERD has uh, become so prevalent, but it's something I see on a daily basis, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And it uh, wreaks havoc on the teeth. So again, that stomach acid coming up through the esophagus and bathing the teeth. And oftentimes this is happening uh, after meals Mm -hmm. and or at night while people are sleeping. And so it, it may be something that is wrong with them, a hiatal hernia or a physiological problem. It may be associated with sleep apnea Mm -hmm. or snoring. And it can be associated with a number of other, you know, physical ailments. But again, it's acid on the teeth that will erode away the tooth structure, leaving a person more susceptible to caries, dental cavities, and uh, generally is very destructive. Mm-hmm. And where that comes into play even more, since we were talking about soda to begin with, is there are a couple of studies I read that implicate soda as one of a one of many potential sources in a susceptible individual to actually increase the incidence of GERD. Hmm. And the hypothesis there is that the carbonation in the soda distends the stomach more than normal sodas per se. So the analogy or the description that was given was that if you drink a liter of water, then your stomach sees a liter of water. If you drink a liter of soda, your stomach sees the liter of soda, but then is bloated from the carbonation. Mm-hmm. And it takes mm-hmm. time for that to be uh, neutralized by the acids and uh, liquids in the stomach. And so during that time, you can get some acid that is forced okay. back up to be associated then with that GERD process. Now, I'm a little cautious about that because that's a pretty tough thing to say is causative and it may be more that it's an association or it's only happening in people that are already susceptible or mm-hmm. already have GERD of some sort. So um, it's, it, it's simply mentioned because we were talking about soda and that came up in a couple of the uh, yeah, searches that I did. Correlation. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because uh, as I was looking at this, there are the, even the, I think it was the National Soft Drink Association, whatever their lobbying group is, they 
put out quite a bit of, of pressure and information to try to dispel bad claims against them. You know, people are saying that soft drinks help erode um, the bones because of some phosphorus calcium exchange type of thing. And they put out information against that. The one thing that they do admit of all things, they, they deny any link of soft drinks with any metal condition. You know, they are adamant drawing a line in the sand. But one health effect that even the soft drink industry admits is in a very carefully worded statement, they said that there's no scientific evidence that the consumption of the soda has any negative effect other than dental caries. Mm-hmm. So they... Uh, then they go on to say, well, that's not the only thing that causes decay. So they obviously are trying to soften it. But, you know, they themselves are admitting that it does. And I think one of the things we've, we've kind of glossed over is, is the, apart from just the direct acid of soda and other drinks on the teeth to dissolve the enamel, typically how decay is caused is when the bacterial plaque is on your teeth. It, you know, it sits and adheres to your teeth then the sugars that you consume, food, beverages, then are metabolized by that bacteria and the acid from their waste products then go on to cause dental decay. And it makes sense because that is um, acid that adheres to the tooth over a long period of time. So that is probably more appropriate or, or similar to some of the experiments where the teeth are bathed in it because people, especially with poor oral hygiene, they do have that acid sitting on their tooth, you know, virtually 24-7. So, you know, that is the standard or the primary way I think that decay is caused. Uh, the direct acid to the teeth is just supplementary. It's, it's not insignificant, but, um, and it's a double whammy because most, um, at least, pops that have sugar in it, you get the acid on it and you get the sugar, which then the bacteria turns to acid. So it's, it's a double punch. Let's say somebody wants to drink their soda. Okay. Uh, you know, let's talk about some maybe preventive options or dump a box of baking soda people. in it Yes. to neutralize the acid. I, I thought you were going to say bacon. And bacon, well, yeah. You dip the bacon in it. Yeah. Okay. So so the one study looked at holding the tooth in soda all day long. One study looked at the alternating. Uh, one study was just uh, 25 ounces of soda per day. Like, was that in one hit, mm. Well, it sips, I think, you know, they, they calculated how many sips per 25 ounces. Yeah. And a lot of so people really, consume a heck of a lot more than 25 ounces. Yeah, so if you're drinking one 12-ounce soda a day at lunch, you know, your, your risk is probably really low for right. that being destructive. What we're talking about is the people that are sipping on this all day long, the people that are susceptible, mm-hmm. uh, that maybe have other risk factors as well. And so for those people... There are things you can do to try to help minimize your risk. Mm-hmm. So the one I tell people most often is, if you're going to have your soda, don't sip it throughout the day. Drink your soda with your meal. So you're not, you're not constantly lowering your oral pH uh, multiple times throughout the day. 
more than you need to. Mm-hmm. And instead, enjoy your soda with your lunch and your dinner and your breakfast and rinse with water afterwards. Mm-hmm. So anything you add on top of that? Yeah, I do the exact same thing because I'll have um, you know anyone from just the, the popaholic to over-the-road truckers that will pick up their 12-pack of Mountain Dew and it just sits on and they... You know, some of these people, they, they literally look like they have meth mouth. They, If anyone has seen yeah. photos of um, meth addicts whose teeth just rot out, I've seen several cases of pop mouth, which is just as destructive. And so I, I echo exactly what Jason said. It's exposure time of the acid. So if you drink through a straw, for example, a lot of people drink their pop through a straw into a cup. Well, that bypasses the teeth. Instead of just drinking it and holding the cup right against your teeth where it bathes over it, it kind of bypasses and goes on down the hatch with less contact. It's not eliminated, but it's less contact. Um, I also say if you're if you're addicted to pop, then drink a pop and then drink some bottled water or swish with water or if you can, even brush. I mean, people nod like they're going to. No one probably ever does. But anything you can do just to get that acid out of there quickly is going to minimize the damage of the acid. That statement you just made reminded me of something that was a few years ago. So I did a quick Google here while, we, while you were talking. And in 2009, uh, a dentist in Kentucky invested $150,000 of his own money to start a mobile dental clinic through Appalachia mm-hmm. and went through there and he was interviewed uh, because he was doing this service at uh, a very discounted fee and he said he was treating Mountain Dew mouth. Yeah. And the amounts of Mountain Dew that he saw being consumed and uh, the frequency and everything, it, it was uh, horrible and there are multiple photos and case studies to demonstrate that. Oh, so absolutely. No, that's I think, gr- uh, yeah. So that was back in 2009. And I think several studies have showed that of all the pops, even though Mountain Dew isn't the most acidic, um, it is b- almost by a factor of two the most destructive. And I don't know what secret chemicals they put in there that causes that because it's not just the acidity because it's not much different than the other pops. Um, maybe there's more sugars in it. Um, maybe they have some secret uh addictive thing i don't know but i think it's the fluorescent food coloring i think it could be i mean it's (laughs) but man people love that mountain dew and and caffeine it's just it's just hopped up on caffeine too so it keeps you know that's why it is a favorite like with over the road truckers is because it helps keep them up while they're driving yeah i also recommend um uh, fluoride mouth rinses uh, you said, what else do I recommend for people who, who consume a lot of pop? It's not a bad idea almost for anyone, despite what the um, anti-fluoride alarmists say. Swishing with it gives a, enamel a topical effect that the fluoride actually penetrates into the outer layers of enamel and make it much more acid resistant. So you're just really adding a level of protection there, which uh, helps prevent acid attack. But people who are heavy on pop or have other risk factors for decay, I say, you know, get some over the, there are a lot of good over the counter fluoride mouth rinses, and I recommend they rinse with that. Any, any weapon you can throw at it is a good thing. So, one that I, I haven't been using long enough to see any, any personal anecdotal results from, but I think looks promising because it's altering 
the pH of the mouth. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, this company, Carry Free. They've done a lot of stuff in cariology, the study of cavities, and they have a number of different products they sell, obviously, but uh, one of those is fluoride, but uh, mm -hmm. they also look at xylitol incorporated in the products. Mm -hmm. uh, they also, uh, the one I really like and advocate for people that are high risk is what they call just a treatment rinse. And it's a very uh, basic mm -hmm. alkaline uh, rinse. And the theory being that an acidic environment is part of what's necessary for the cavity process. And so if you can alter that environment to be less acidic more often, then you're going to reduce your cavity risk. So I, for people that are high risk, I recommend that rinse to be used once a day to try to help, again, alter the oral pH. Does it matter when they rinse? Because it seems to me you would want to rinse as soon as possible after, say, consuming pop or after a meal where the acid levels in your mouth, either because of the direct acid or because of bacterial metabolism, are the highest. Yep. Is, well, I think you get into a situation of uh, what would be ideal. Yes. Yeah, what would be ideal versus what would be realistic. Right. And so I agree that They're not going to carry feel... a bottle of that in their desk drawer at work. And, and exactly. So, yeah. So I, that's where I think that, yeah. you know, rinsing with some water after you eat is the, the best, most economical and easy thing to do that there's no excuse for you not to. Yep. Because water is available anywhere and everywhere. Yep. As far as the mouth rinse goes, you know, if you can get that in once a day, for some, right. again, somebody that's high risk is typically not necessarily up on their home care as well as they could be. So any addition is going to be a benefit, I think. So Absolutely. I just advocate trying to get that in once a day. And even if that only lasts for that 30-minute window or hey. whatever for it takes to the slide it a buffer it back down to seven, it still is Better a 30-minute window yeah. of the opposite of acid. Yeah. So Absolutely. Every little bit helps. All right. So in summary... I think we've demonstrated that acid of any kind can be detrimental to the teeth, whether it's a little at a time or, or a lot throughout the day. It adds up on the dentition of the mouth, the teeth in the mouth, over a period of time and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. So I think we provided some good advice on how to help protect against some of that erosion or cavity process. And I think that it's obvious that Steve Novella needs to issue a formal <laughs> mea culpa. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I mean, we were so outraged at, at that that Jason and I are going to go picket SGU headquarters until he issues a retraction and a full apology, I think. So at least yeah, you can I will do. be wearing. I'll be wearing a Borat one onesie. Yeah, the banana hammock. Yes. Okay. Uh, with with a picket sign and a goatee. Then let's see. Look what for me. I will, uh, and I will wear um, my usual two piece bikini. Okay. So where's where's SGU headquarters? Where are we going to meet? You know, right over. Oh, over there on the corner. Yeah. 
All right. Where we usually do? Where we usually do. Go to the red barn and then turn left. Right. And it's a couple okay. of blocks there. Um, Perfect. I'll see yeah, you there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this will this will make the news, I'm sure. But no, yes. I mean, we're having fun because obviously the SUU people do an awesome job. But that was just one little thing that is kind of in our wheelhouse that we thought we would dispel a little uh, misconceptions. Good. And hey. Thanks for listening to episode four. Yes, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, and we will see you next time. Take care. When you are studying any matter or considering any philosophy, ask yourself only what are the facts and what is the truth that the facts bear out. Science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking. A way of skeptically interrogating the universe. If we are not able to ask skeptical questions, to be skeptical of those in authority, then we're up for grabs. In all of science, we're looking for a balance between data and theory. You don't have to delude yourself with irony. The same spiritual fulfillment that people find in religion can be found in science by coming to know, if you will, the mind of God. The real world, as it actually is, is not evil. It's remarkable. And the way to understand the physical world is to use science. There is a new wave of reason sweeping across America, Britain, Europe, Australia. South America, the Middle East and Africa, there is a new wave of reason, where superstition had a firm hold. Teach men the reason, think for a lifetime, think for a lifetime. Cosmology brings us face to face with the deepest mysteries questions that were once treated only in religion and myth. The desire to be connected with the cosmos reflects a profound reality. We are connected, not in the trivial ways that astrology promises, but in the deepest ways. I can't believe the special stories that have been made up about our relationship to the universe at large. Look at what's out there. It isn't in proportion. Science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe. There is a new wave of reason sweeping across America, Britain, Europe, Australia, South America, the Middle East and Africa. There is a new wave of reason where superstition had a firm hold. Teach men the reason, think for a lifetime, think for a lifetime. Otherwise, is to embrace man. There is a new wave of reason 
Sweeping across America, Britain, Europe, Australia, South America, the Middle East and Africa, there is a new wave of reason where superstition had a firm hold. Teach me a reason. Think for a lifetime. Think for a lifetime.